Good morning. Is everybody enjoying the rain? Yes. Yes. I don't know if Richie, I wasn't part of the service, but when we got here this morning, we had no power. We had nothing. So, and then we got everything on auxiliary power, and then it came back on. So, we're just praying and hoping it stays throughout the service. So, it's sort of been a hectic morning, but we can just rest in the Lord and just say, oh, we got this. So, I have a bunch of announcements. Um, the first is the first Sunday of the month, and I just want to remind everybody we have um, welcome cards in front of you. We have the website you can go to about giving. Um, so, just a plethora of information on the website on that and prayer cards. And if there's prayer cards in front of you, and if there is a prayer request, Please fill one out, and you can just throw it in the offering boxes or the basket on your way out, because we'd love to pray for you. Um, the next one, I guess, I wasn't invited to, but it was um, yesterday. There was a women's event, and I guess it was wonderful. I didn't get to go, but women, they, I guess they had a blessed time. Kathy says it was just a great turnout and just a great time to just glorify God together. So look at them. You could tell they had a great time. So if you missed it, there's always next year, so... Um, the next announcement I have, we, if you missed it, we had baptisms last Sunday, and it was just, just an awesome time. I got the opportunity to baptize Jasmine and Janelle, and it just their public faith, just saying how much they love Jesus, and it was so good. I don't know if there was that one picture of, of um, Jasmine. She just came out just glowing, you know, and it's just a pure sign of what it looks like to follow Jesus, and, you know, if you want to be baptized, we don't have to do, we don't do it like quarterly or you know what, if you want to be baptized next Sunday, you hit me up and say, hey, I want to be baptized. We'd love to sit with you, pray with you, and we'll go out in the back and we'll fill up our hot tub. And by the way, it's 97 degrees, so it's not cold, unless you want it really cold like the pol um, polar plunge or whatever they call it. But no, but honestly, if you guys want to be baptized, and even if it's like later today, we'll find a body of water to baptize you in because it is a commandment from God to get baptized. So I encourage you to talk to myself, Pastor Richie, or any of our elders. <laughs> so Paul Linderman's in charge of Mark Ministry, and he deals with grief counseling and everything. And they are a nonprofit, and they do on giving only in people's donation and prayer. So he sent me, and I thought it was the yearly report. It's just a monthly report, what he did last month. He did nine sermons. Um, he did 15 funerals and memorials. He did nine spiritual grief counseling sessions. He did 11 therapy and support through music. He did 12 bereavement group seminars. And he led 22 people to Christ. I mean, that's in one month. So if you want further information on uh, Mark's ministry with Paul Linderman, um, you can... You can um, you can go to our website. It has all the information there, how to give and everything else. So, yeah, my mouth is just going on and on. I should stop when I'm ahead. So, <laughs> so breakfast in Bethlehem is next Saturday. So we need all of your help after service. We're going to stack all the chairs and bring the tables in. So if you're able and willing to help, um, thank you, Carl, for volunteering. Um, afterwards, I appreciate it. So that's all I have. Uh, and that's today, right, that we're stacking chairs? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I was confused. I was like, is that going to be next week? All right. Uh, so we have one youth announcement. Uh, you know, it is, we've been doing Advent, and I decided, you know, I, I've never really gone through an Advent study. So we're doing that for the, for the youth group on Wednesdays leading up until Christmas. Um, and so, well, at least until the Wednesday before Christmas, which we're going to have our Christmas party, youth Christmas party. It's going to be from 6 to 8. Last year we had a, a fake snowball fight. 
you can actually buy little snowballs, and we just had a blast. We had the blue light or the black lights on, um, had some movies playing. So we're going to be doing that uh, in a few weeks. So you can put that on your calendar. I don't know if we have, Eileen, do we have the sheets? We have sheets printed. So if you would like a copy of that, I can get that to you. Um, but that's all we have for youth stuff. Thanks. All right, and finally, uh, some of you may have noticed that banner uh, right in front of the church office there uh, inviting you to Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th. Uh, so here's, here's how it works. Uh, every seven years or so, uh, there's a bit of a challenge we have because uh, Christmas is on Sunday. And so there's a bit of a question that comes up, what are we going to do? And uh, so seven years ago, um, we just celebrated Christmas Eve and let you celebrate Christmas mornings with your family, and we decided uh, to do that again. So if you have not been uh, to one of our Christmas Eve candlelight services, it's really, really nice. It's uh, Christmas carols, Christmas message, and we pass out candles at the end, and we light them up, and it's just a beautiful time as a family to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Um, and so this year, again, because of the way it works in the seven-year rotation or so, we are not going to have a Christmas Day service. Encourage you to spend time with your family. You know, maybe invite people over, celebrate the birth of Christ, however you do that. We also know a lot of people travel, and, and uh, so we just try to be sensitive as well, uh, even to uh, the people who serve here faithfully um, every Sunday, not just, you know, Christmas or Easter, but every Sunday people come here at 7.30, 8 o'clock to get ready um, to serve in a lot of different ways. So even giving them that Christmas morning off is a way to bless them so they don't have to worry about coming to necessarily serve and they can enjoy their family. So uh, invite you out again Christmas Eve, uh, 7 p.m. And if you can make it, we'd love to have you. Great opportunity to invite friends and family who might be in town uh, to come and celebrate the birth of Christ in a different way. Again, we do different lights and, and the tradition at the end. We've been doing it for 13 years now. This will be our th uh, 12th year, 12th year, where we just light the candles and sing Silent Night before we leave. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful evening together. So invite you to do that. Okay. Well, Tyler mentioned a little earlier that it's been a, uh, an interesting morning. Uh, I usually get here a little after 6.30 uh, with my daughter, and we uh, came in that door, and it was pitch black in here. And, you know, that, that isn't normally the case because we don't leave the lights on. Um, but then uh, we tried to turn on some lights, and it was nothing, you know. And uh, so, of course, I wake everybody up and uh, say, there's no power. And so we get the thing going, and, and then I turn around and head home because we have some generators, and we bring them back, and we're getting all set up with the generators. And the lights came on about, uh, what time was the first time they came back on? About 7? A little after 7, the lights came back on. So we're like, oh, great, right? And then uh, about 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, pitch black again. And that's when we were, really, everything was here fired up. You know, we had put solar generators, and we were figuring it all out and, and getting everything going. And, it, and it, it made me think, you know, when, uh, when there is a blackout, when, when you lose power at your house, right, usually the first thing you go, uh-oh, and then, and then your mind goes to, well, what, what caused that? I wonder what caused that. Was that a fuse? Is it bigger than that? Is this the whole neighborhood? Let's go to, you know, sce.com. Let's go to Southern Cal California Edison. Is this the whole neighborhood, right? You kind of want to find out what the cause is of the disconnect, right, because obviously there's a problem. You want to find the cause and how quickly the cause is going to be remedied, right? And so uh, it's funny because there's, there's kind of a joke they tell about pastors that, that our, our life is one 
continuous sermon illustration, like everything we see is a potential sermon illustration, right? So a blackout today twice. I'm like, hey, that's a great lead-in to what we're going to talk about. Because we can all relate to power going out, and the first thing you want to know is what's the cause, right? Something's not right. There must be a cause, right? And, and in our spiritual life, sometimes there's a disconnect. Sometimes maybe we're struggling with something, and maybe what you need to ask is, what, what's causing this? Maybe I need to figure out what the root is, what... Why do, why do I came to see this, this issue just keeps to see coming up and up and up and up? And, and why can't I seem to get past this? And man, I've been in church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and, and I don't know. It just feels like there's a disconnect. I'm just like, you know, a hamster on a treadmill. I, I, a lot of activity, but not a lot of change. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm really busy, but I'm not getting anywhere. And, and you know, it, it might just be like this spiritual disconnect, right? A spiritual outage. And my prayer today for you, for me, as I've even processed this this week, is you might have an aha moment. You literally might have an aha moment, and Lord willing, before you leave here today, before you leave your house or wherever you're listening to this, you might be able to reconnect, literally. Because once you identify what's going on, you can remedy it. You have a choice now to remedy it. Sometimes you just don't know. How many of you have ever had that situation in your life where you're like, I, 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 this thing is going on and I just can't seem to figure out the root? Anyone have that? What is going on? What is going on, right? I mean, you have the best of intentions. You might even try a few things and maybe make a little bit of progress and you go five steps back and you're like, why do I just feel stuck? What is going on? And then what you're searching for is the root. And I believe that that what we're going to look at in Philippians 4, 9 today might for some here expose the root. And you might go, ah. Oh. Now, you might have an aha moment like, oh, wow. Thank you, Lord, for exposing it. But I'm going to warn you, once it gets exposed, you're still going to have to make a choice. You're still going to have to do something with it. Okay, so Philippians 4, 8, 9, letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers in a city called Philippi, right? The Philippians, we're working through it. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So last Sunday, really summarizing, was right thinking, Right? Right thinking. How many of you this past seven days made a concerted effort, were conscious of your thoughts? Anyone? Anyone wake up and do something different in the mornings? Right? So your thoughts went this way first? Right? Helpful? Okay? Great. Now, verse 9, verse 8 was right thinking. Verse 9, you call it right living, right practice. He says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you, right? In the New Living Translation, verse 9 says this. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. In the Amplified, it says this. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source and peace and well-being will be with you, right? 
Uh, Eileen, do me a favor. Put up Philippians 4, 9 in the ESV. Right? We have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So he's writing to these believers in Philippi. He says, hey, guys, what you learned, what I taught you, what you received, heard, and seen in me, practice these things. Now, we're going to walk through these, the, the first two words, learned and received. When he says learned, that's the word where we get disciples, okay? The word for disciple or discipleship, okay? So there's instruction, but if you remember in the context, if you were a disciple of somebody, it wasn't just head knowledge. If I said, hey, I want to be your follower. If I was a student, I said, hey, rabbi, can I follow you as your disciple? Remember, we went through this in a whole series. To be a disciple or a follower meant that you wanted to be that person. You wanted to not only learn what they had to teach you, but you would follow their mannerisms. When they ate, you ate. When they slept, you slept. You wanted to ultimately become them. That is biblical discipleship. Now, the challenge for us in America and how we do American Christianity is it's head knowledge first. We tend to emphasize Christian maturity and Christian discipleship by how much information we have accumulated over the years. And I've told you before that the Bible, I need like a real Bible. Everyone's got electronic Bibles, huh? Like, Jordan, you got a Bible in your seat, right? You've, you've seen me and, and you've heard me say this before. This was not given for information. This was given for transformation. You got to get that. This was not given for information's sake, for accumulation of knowledge, to come to sermons and listen to podcasts and go to Bible studies and fill in blanks and take notes to accumulate more information. If, if you have kind of slid down that road, you got to go back to true biblical discipleship. When you had a student, a disciple, they followed them everywhere. Remember our, our slogan, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi? If I had a relationship with a rabbi, I was supposed to follow him so closely, 24-7, that ultimately I would be like him. That was my desire. I would get his knowledge and his teaching, but I would just want to be this guy, okay? And so when you translate that into the church, who are we supposed to be following that closely? Jesus, right? And so there's knowledge, part of that, but then there's this practice, okay? Thanks, Jordan. So he's talking about the things that you have learned, so he taught them. And, and then he says in Philippians, this kind of a, harkens back to 3.17. Look what he says. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so in the church, right, it's good to have role models, it's good to have spiritual mentors, right, that are following Christ and that are leading you as you follow them, right? You should be coming more like Christ, okay? That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. You should have that. The question when we study that passage back in Philippians 3, the question for you and me was, are you living in such a way as a believer that you would want people to imitate you, Right? Paul says in Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Could you literally say that to someone around you, in your small group, in your family, in your relationships? Are you living in such a way that if someone were to imitate you, they would become more like Christ, right? That's the heart of discipleship. It's lifestyle. It's who you are, 
It's not just head knowledge. Okay. Henry Blackaby says this. Paul understood that the ultimate role model is Christ. As he strove to be like Christ, he urged others to follow his example. Paul was not boasting. He understood fully that the only things in his life worth emulating were the things that were like Jesus. He was taking on the responsibility of mentor, and he took it seriously. He was motivated by love for those Christians less mature in their faith than he was. His desire was not that they be like him, but like Christ. That's a great, even uh, even if we move into the new year, what a great New Year's resolution even, right? Lord, in 2023, I want want the heart of my life to be an example. I I want people in 2023 to be able to imitate me and be more like Jesus if they do that. What a great vision for a new year. Okay, so going back to Philippians 4, 9, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, we're going to keep that up. I'll keep that up for just a second because I really want you to look at a list in here because, again, when you read a verse like this, the temptation is just to breeze right past it because I got it. Simple, easy peasy, right? So look at Philippians 4, 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, there's a list of four things there, and three out of the four make really easy sense in light of discipleship, but one word in there is really foundational to even understanding why you might have a disconnect in your life. There's a word in there that if you understand, we're going to look at that one word today, if you understand it, you might have that aha moment about why, why is there a disconnect between my mind and my heart? Why have I been in church and I've been to so many Bible studies and I went to VBS? Why do I have all these Bible memories, these, these verses memorized, and why can I da-da-da-da, but it just doesn't seem to be translating? Where there's a word in this list that, that we, just, we just pass right by, Right? What you have learned, okay, that's instruction. We just talked about that. Received and heard and seen. Heard, heard about me, heard from me, seen in me, his example, right? So learned, heard, and seen. Really, it seems like obvious you only need those three words. Practice these things, right? Practice these things, what you learned, what you heard, and what you seen. Why did he put received in there? What's the need? Right? Well, that's the word. And that's the word that I think for some here and some at home maybe what's been holding you back maybe has been the disconnect between you and continuing your growth or maybe even just coming to Christ. Because that word received See, when it, says, when it says learned, heard, and seen, that's kind of like all about Paul, right? He taught, he taught you, you heard about him, you heard from him, you saw him. Received is about what I do with it all. What I choose to do with what I've learned, what I choose to do with what I've heard, what I choose to do with what I've seen. Received, you know, if you're comfortable writing in your Bibles or if you brought a Bible or whatever, or you're taking notes, received is the word you got to circle. Circle, underline, highlight. That's the word. That's the word. Because there's some people here this morning, you're going to hear teaching, but you're not going to receive it. See, the question today isn't, 
Are you going to learn something? Are you going to be taught something? You're taught something every Sunday here because we open scripture. Amen? The challenge every Sunday is, did you receive it? Because see, those of you who raised your hand and did something different with your thoughts, you know what that tells me? You received last week's message. Amen? You received it. Every time you go to Bible study, when you open the scriptures, every time you come to church, you are taught something. The real issue is, did you receive it? Now that word received means to take unto oneself, not only understand it clearly, but accept it, agree with it, and now you're responsible to live it out. That's to receive. Receiving truth should accompany learning truth, okay? It's not just intellect. That word received takes it out of academia. That word received takes church out of information gathering and information dissemination and information accumulation. That word received means you understood it, you said thumbs up, now you got to do something with it because you received it, you took it, amen? To receive it is to take it, okay? So in John 5, Jesus is talking to religious leaders, right? The elite, some of the elite religious leaders. He says this, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. He's talking to Jewish scholar, religious leader, elites who study the scriptures diligently, faithfully, far, spend far greater time than me or any of us here. They knew the scriptures, and yet they missed it because it's all in their head. It's all in their head. They missed that it pointed to Jesus. And what he said, it was a heart issue. He says, I know that you do not have the love of God with you, within you. It was a heart issue. So this issue of receiving really is a heart issue. Warren Wiersbe says this, It is one thing to learn a truth, but quite another to receive it inwardly and make it a part of our inner self. Facts in the heads are not enough. We must also have truths in the heart. So the question is, when you come to church, do you ask God to speak to your heart? Or do you just hope to get more information? Another good sermon, a funny illustration, right? Do you come here and, and, and ask yourself, I got to take something away. I got to receive something today. Lord, I want to receive something today. I'm open to, what do you want me to take away from this? What do you want me to possess from this message? Or is it like, oh, I'm going to take some notes and call it good for the next one, right? Why is that so important? Because there's a disconnect between your mind and your heart. The Bible, when the Bible speaks of your heart, it's the control center of your life. That's why in Proverbs it says, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. Well, if the Bible is stuck here and not here, kind of explain why you are in your life. There's still a disconnect, right? Look at these, look at these verses. I mean, I'm going I'm to I'm share some passages with you, and it's going to seem really obvious until you kind of go, ouch, ouch, right? So in Philippians 4.9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen me, practice these things, obedience, practice, do these continuously as a lifestyle, and the God of peace will be with you. So, 
According to that verse, very obvious, if we practice obedience, what's going to be the result? The God of peace will be with you, right? How many say amen to that? So why don't we do it? Just asking. There's a promise in there, right? There's a promise. Practice these things, God of peace will be with you. So the question is, why don't I practice them? Look at James 1. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves or deluding yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So according to verse 25, if I'm a doer who acts, if I live in obedience, what is the promise? You will be? Okay, wait. You will be? If you're obedient according to that verse on the authority of scriptures, if you are a doer who acts, he will be? So why don't we? Why aren't we just fired up to go obey and just get more blessings? What's going on? So obedience equals peace. The God of peace will be with me. According to that verse, obedience equals blessing. Why aren't I just running out there to obey everything? Why am I missing out on peace and blessing? Right? Look at Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So, according to this passage, if I'm obedient, I am building my house on the? If I'm disobedient, I'm building my house on the? So why aren't we building our house on the rock? What's the disconnect? Why would I intentionally do this? According to this, why would I disobey? Because according to this, I'm just building on sand. Why don't I just run out there and start building on rock 24-7-3? What is going on? Right? I'm missing out on peace. I'm missing out on blessings. I'm missing out on rock-solid foundation. What is going on? Right? And then Mark, look at Mark 10, story of the rich young ruler. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, okay? The rich young ruler came to talk to Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Man, this guy asked Jesus how to inherit eternal life. Jesus himself tells him, and what does a dude do? Peace out. Like, how many of you look at that and go like, what was he thinking? He just told him, right? Hey, 
You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Okay, so if we're missing out on peace, if we're missing out on blessing, if we're building on sand, if we walk away from eternal life, you got to ask yourself, what is going on? There's, it doesn't even seem reasonable or rational, right? You're like, who, who would do that? What, what is going on? For me as a believer, a professing believer, to intentionally, okay, not making, not making you feel bad, but to intentionally choose and make decisions in your life that intentionally take away peace, intentionally cause you to miss out on blessings, intentionally cause you to build on sand, what causes that? What is going on? Have you ever tried, maybe as a parent, maybe as a parent or even as a friend or if you coach something, you ever try to coach someone, explain how to do something to someone? And you go, you got it, you got it, you got it, yeah, I got it, got it. And then, then when they try to do it, they do it completely wrong. Anyone? Anyone? You're like, wait, I just spent an hour with you explaining how to do this. Yeah, I know. But I like it this way. I'm used to this. Anyone? Right? You spend all this time explaining how to do it correctly. Right? Teaching. Right? You got it? Yeah. The minute they do it, they just ignore everything that you just tried to help them with, with the best of intention. That's us spiritually. How many of us, God through his word wants the best because God is good and all the time, which means through his word he wants us, he wants our good. He is continually wanting our good and the way he communicates that is through his word. So if we follow his word because he's good and his word is good, right? If we obey his word, we get peace, blessings, house built on the rock, right? And yet, We'll come to church, da 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 and we're like, uh, but I like it this way, God. But I'm used to this. But I'm not comfortable. But this is how I was raised. But this is, but this, right? We've kind of been there on both ends of that. And so what's going on? This issue at the heart level of receiving, taking something into possession. How many of you, on the flip side, in a good way, have spent time teaching somebody something, whether it's a skill, a trade, hobby, whatever, and they're like, you got it? And they're like, yeah. And then you've seen them do it. They've implemented what you taught them, whether it's your work, right? You, taught, you train someone, here, and then you're like, okay, now you do it. And they do exactly what you say. How many have had that thrill? And you're like, yes! I think Heavenly Father has that yes too. You read scripture and then the best of your ability, you try to do it. I think Heavenly Father goes, yes! Angels, look at Mark. He's finally doing it our way. <laughs> right? That yes moment. You feel so good because you imparted knowledge with the best of desires to help someone grow and, and be better at their job. And they took it. They received it. And how do you know they received it? They did it. Proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. 
receiving, if you've received and take possession of it, your life manifests it. In the same way, if you haven't received it, your life manifests it. That's that word. That's the power of that word. And then in Thessalonians, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul even goes one kind of layer deeper. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, okay, that's the same word, paralambano, if you're in the Greek, right? Receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as a, as a as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So there's, there's, there's two aspects here that, that will help many of us. Receiving and accepting. Kind of two sides of the same coin. Receiving, take possession of, okay, and accepting. Now, one, before we move into accepting, maybe a help for some of you today even. You know, how many of you... We're raised in a church, and the question at the end of a Bible study or even a sermon, maybe on my sermon notes, I think I changed it for this, this one, is how many of you have heard, how will you apply this, right? Anyone? Application, right? Maybe the better question based on the verse in Philippians 4.9 is, what is your takeaway? What are you taking away from today's message? Now, that makes it personal to you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you. What are you taking? What are you receiving this morning? You personally, what's your takeaway? That, that changes it from just application. How will you apply it? Now, what are you taking? What's your takeaway, right? So in, in, in uh, 2.13, he says, you received, and he says, you accepted it, not as the word of men, as, as what it really is, the word of God. That word accept, okay, it's another Greek word, dekomai, and it has to do with a favorable attitude. So to receive is to take something into your possession. To accept something is to welcome with a favorable attitude, right? How many of you over the holidays welcome guests into your home? Right? Right? Put out the welcome mat, right? That, you accept them. You're accepting of them. It has to do with your attitude, a favorable sense, right? Hey, come on in, come on in. Welcoming honored guests, right? You put out the, come on in, come on in. So what he's saying is, not only did you take possession of the word of God, you welcome the word of God as an honored guest in your life. Come on in. Come on in, word of God. Mmm. Think about that. Because... I think some of us, and, and, and I've been there, I'll just say that, you know, I'll, I'll just put my hat in the, in, the, in the ring as well. When it comes to receiving and accepting God's word, somewhere along the line, it got flipped from being positive, this positive, loving God that wants the best for you, to this cosmic killjoy who wants to ruin your life and take away all your fun and just a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. Well, if your view of God is a cosmic killjoy, principal in the sky, who's just waiting for you to mess up, and has given you a Bible which is full of a bunch of do's and don'ts, how receptive are you going to be? And how accepting are you going to be? Right? Jordan, if I can... If, if your view of the Word of God is, hey, Marvin, here, a bunch of rules. Don't mess up. Because if you do, God's going to be really mad. 
You want it? <laughs> Who would want that, right? You're like, oh, no, I'm good, thank you. You wouldn't receive that if that's your view, if it's, not, if it's more, right? Oh, I don't know if I want to receive that, thanks, but no thanks. Give it to Gloria, right? <laughs> but see, that's, that's kind of, honestly, what we might be doing at church. It's the whole counsel of God. We cannot hometown buffet this. And you know what I'm talking about, right? That's what we do. Hometown buffet this. You go down the buffet line. Ooh, I'll receive this. I'll accept this. Receive, receive, receive. Accept, accept. Oh, veggies. Oh, no, 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 no. Pass, 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 pass. Desserts. Receive, accept, receive, accept. We can't hometown buffet this because it's all good. Amen? Amen. Careful now. <laughs> it's all good. Amen? Amen? You can't hometown buffet this. You can't pick and choose what you receive and accept. It's all of God's word, and God is good, and all the time, so it's all good, amen? Now, doesn't make it easy, though. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying you got to be willing to receive and accept it all if you really believe God is good and wants your good. I'm hoping the light's coming on because there might be an area in your life that you've been struggling with because you've hometown buffeted it. You've politely excused it. You've politely ignored it. You've politely buried it. You've politely rationalized it. You've politely excused it because honestly, you choose not to receive and accept it. That's, that's really kind of the simplicity of what's going on. That's kind of what it is. Are you, what is an area in your life that maybe you're just like this right now? And if you'll be honest with the, the resistance to receiving and accepting, on the flip side of turning that around to receiving and accepting it is victory and freedom. Perhaps with the help of brothers and sisters in Christ who will pray with you, counsel you, walk you through it. But for many of us, the disconnect in our spiritual walk is at the area of receiving and accepting. We tend to go to our strengths and our weaknesses and things that we like, and then God wants to shine a light on a certain area, and we're like, oh, no, not ready to receive and accept that. Why not? He's a good God and wants your best. Why not? There's peace and blessing behind it. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you is the real question, right? Stephen Cole says this, but every person also has the same stubborn self-will that refuses to submit to Jesus as Lord. We all want to run our own lives without bowing before Jesus. But the content of the Christian faith must be received by submitting our will to Christ. This issue of receiving and accepting really comes down to an issue of will. Are you willing to submit, in this case, receive and accept God's word in this area? Maybe it's salvation. You see, a lot of people know about Jesus, maybe even believe Jesus is a great 
moral teacher, maybe a prophet, maybe whatever you want to call him, but they haven't come to faith because they're not willing to receive him as Messiah, as Savior and Lord. See the difference? You can know a lot about Jesus, but until you receive him, accept him as your Savior and Lord, that's salvation. Now, even as a believer, though, you might have been in church 10, 20, 30 years. You go to certain courses. Let's say you go, let's say you're having uh, marital issues. Let's just say great conferences out there. So you, you and your spouse decide to go to this marriage conference, Christian marriage conference, because you need help with your marriage. You go. You sit through it. You take all the notes. You come home. Nothing changes. Why not? You didn't receive it. You didn't truly receive it or accept it. You didn't take it in. You didn't possess it, and you didn't welcome it in. You went, and you went through the motions, and you thought by going would be plenty. It's like church. If you come to church... You know, James 1.22, it says, if you're a hearer but you don't do, James himself says you're deluded, you're deceived. That's not the purpose. And so at the core is receiving, accepting. Now, Stephen Cole talks about all of us having stubborn, a stubborn side. Anyone here have a stubborn side to you? Anybody sitting next to someone that has a stubborn side to them? All right. You're not the boss of me. Any siblings? Any siblings? Yeah, word ever come out in your family? You're not the boss of me. Uh, Me and my older sister growing up. Woo! Right? As soon as my older sister tried to tell me what to do, I was just not going to do it to make a point. Anyone? You're not the boss of me. You can't make me. You can't make me. Some of us still have that, carry that attitude into our spiritual life. You can't make me. Right? 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 And we, or, or how many of you, there's the line. How many of you know you're not to go over it, but you're going to go right to the line? Anyone, go, anyone here go right to the line? You're not going to cross the line. But then every once in a while when you think no one's looking. What are you trying to do? You're trying to assert yourself. Line. I'll show them. Come right to that line. Oh, what are you going to do, you know? How many of us are line walkers? Like, we just get right to the line, right? We just want to get there. Why? Think about that. Well, I mean, it's, it's, our, it's our flesh. It's our flesh, right? We, we're in our, at the core, our flesh wants to please the flesh. Me, myself, and I. It's about me. It's about me to the point of missing out on peace. It's about me to the point of missing out on blessing. It's about me to building on sand. I will choose me and miss out on peace, blessing, and rock. Because it's about me. Because I don't want to receive it, and I don't want to accept it. So the question is, what in your life, what in my life is God really saying, you know, here's the answer, here's the light, here's the disconnect, you just haven't been willing to receive and accept this. Now, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're horrible in everything. You might be making great progress in other areas. I'm just talking holistically. Is there an area in your life or areas where you just honestly would say, yeah, no, you got me, God. You zing me today. I admit I have not been willing to receive it, 
I have not been willing to accept it. I know the verse. I can quote the verse. But I don't want to receive it. And why should I forgive? Right? Whatever it might be. Years and years ago, uh, I took a motorcycle safety foundation course, right? Course you can take to get your motorcycle license so you don't have to do the DMV. So you go down, I, I enrolled at Camarillo High School. You go down Friday night for the classroom. You got to pass the classroom deal. And then Saturday, they put you out on the, on the parking lot there with this course that you got to do all Saturday, and they teach you all the basics, and they put out these little obstacles and things you got to do. But you have to pass the, the driving test, and the instructors, there was two of them, they'll watch you, and then they'll decide whether or not you're, you're competent enough to, to pass this uh, safety foundation. So I'm out there with a group of us all day, and I'm driving around doing you know, my, my deal on the motorcycle. And these guys come up, you know, I, I do a lap, and they call me over, and they're like, you're doing fine, but you, you, your arms are like, you just seem to be doing this. They, and they did this. And I was like, really? Yeah, you're doing this. Just try not to do this. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, yeah, go do it again. So, so I'm, I'm doing it again. But the, there was this huge disconnect because they're telling me what they see me doing, but I can't see me doing that. It doesn't feel like I'm doing that. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't feel like I'm doing that. I think I'm like doing everything like everyone else. And so I'm doing this. And I remember, I'll never forget this. Um, I was at the far side of the parking lot. I look over as I'm maneuvering and both of them do this. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Because up until that point, I thought, I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm going to change. And then when they did that, I'm like, oh, now I'm lost. Now I'm swimming because I feel like I'm doing it right. I want to correct it. Everything in me tells me I'm fine. And they look over and they do this. And I'm like, how is that even possible? How is that even possible? I'm not doing this. So I have to either, now I'm at a crossroads because I'm either going to believe them and think they're lying, trust them that they want the best for me, that I should somehow figure out that they're right and I'm Oh, wrong, that I'm the problem, not them, right? So I have to get over my bad self and my defensive self and my prideful self and try to figure out why they did this. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so, honestly, it took me a while to get over being defensive and argumentative and thinking that they were wrong. And I was right because I felt I was doing it right. I felt comfortable. I felt good. So at that crossroads is the same crossroads that many of us come to with God. He's telling you, and you're like, what is going on? What do you mean, God, this? He goes, you're still doing this. I'm like, and you're like, I don't feel like that, God. I feel like everything's fine. I feel good. And in the same way, I had to either believe them or not. I had to trust that they were telling me for my good what they were seeing. You and I had to trust God. Either we believe him or not. Either we trust that what he says is for our good or not. Because when you trust him, you'll receive and accept. So I'm, I'm, I'm going around this thing again. And once I got past, you know, discouragement, anger, accusation, all of that, I'm like, okay, 
I like to save clean. What if I just, and this is crazy, because I had to do something that I was not used to and uncomfortable. I said, what if I just kind of roll up in my posture? Right? I was, I was doing this. I didn't even feel, I felt fine like you sit back in your chair. What if I just roll up? Like three inches. I just roll up my lower back. And I just rolled up. And now I was more upright. And they're like, what? And they're like, yes, now you're, you see? And for some of you, you're that close spiritually. You're that close. You just got to be willing to do something you haven't done and teach yourself something new and be willing to be a little uncomfortable for a little bit because this becomes second nature. And this is how you ride. But some of us, we come into church and we've been in church so long that we're just used to riding with Jesus like this. And God's like, hey, man, roll up. It takes faith and trust. It takes a willingness to receive and accept that God is good and all the time. So there's no reason we should be resistant. We should receive and accept his goodness through his word. Amen? Good morning. Is everybody enjoying the rain? Yes. Yes. I don't know if Richie, I wasn't part of the service, but when we got here this morning, we had no power. We had nothing. So, and then we got everything on auxiliary power, and then it came back on. So, we're just praying and hoping it stays throughout the service. So, it's sort of been a hectic morning, but we could just rest in the Lord and just say, oh, we got this. So, I have a bunch of announcements. Um, the first is the first Sunday of the month, and I just want to remind everybody we have um, welcome cards in front of you. We have the website you can go to about giving. Um, so, just a plethora of information on the website on that and prayer cards and if there's prayer cards in front of you and if you is a prayer request please fill one out and you can just throw it in the offering boxes or the basket on your way out because we'd love to pray for you um the next one i guess i wasn't invited to but it was um yesterday there was a women's event and i guess it was wonderful i didn't get to go but women they i guess they had a blessed time kathy says it was just a great turnout and just a great time to just glorify god together so Look at them. You could tell they had a great time. So if you missed it, there's always next year. So um, the next announcement I have, we, if you missed it, we had baptisms last Sunday. And it was just, just an awesome time. I got the opportunity to baptize Jasmine and Janelle. And it just their public faith, just saying how much they love Jesus. And it was so good. I don't know if there was that one picture of of um, Jasmine, she just came out this glowing, you know, and it's just a pure sign of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And, you know, if you want to be baptized, we don't have to do, we don't do it like quarterly or, you know, if you want to be baptized next Sunday, you hit me up and say, hey, I want to be baptized. We'd love to sit with you, pray with you. And we'll go out in the back and we'll fill up our hot tub. And by the way, it's 97 degrees. So it's not cold unless you want it really cold, like the pol um, polar plunge or whatever they call it. But no, but honestly, if you guys want to be baptized, and even if it's like later today, we'll find a body of water to baptize you in, because it is a commandment from God to get baptized. So I encourage you to talk to myself, Pastor Richie, or any of our elders. <laughs> so Paul Linderman's in charge of Mark Ministry, and he deals with grief counseling and everything. And they are a nonprofit, and they do on giving only, and people's donation and prayer. So he sent me, and I thought it was the yearly report, it's just a monthly report, what he did last month. He did nine sermons, um, he did 15 funerals and memorials, 
He did nine spiritual grief counseling sessions. He did 11 therapy and support through music. He did 12 bereavement group seminars, and he led 22 people to Christ. I mean, that's in one month. So if you want further information on uh, Mark's ministry with Paul Linderman, um, you, can, you, can, um, you can go to our website. It has all the information there, how to give and everything else. So, yeah, my mouth is just going on and on. I should stop when I'm ahead. So, <laughs> so breakfast in Bethlehem is next Saturday, so we need all of your help after service. We're going to stack all the chairs and bring the tables in. So if you're able and willing to help, um, thank you, Carl, for volunteering. Um, afterwards, I appreciate it. So that's all I have. Uh, and that's today, right, that we're stacking chairs? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I was confused. I was like, is that going to be next week? All right. Uh, so we have one youth announcement. Uh, you know, it is, we've been doing Advent, and I decided, you know, I, I've never really gone through an Advent study. So we're doing that for the, for the youth group on Wednesdays leading up until Christmas. Um, and so, well, at least until the Wednesday before Christmas, which we're going to have our Christmas party, youth Christmas party. It's going to be from 6 to 8. Last year we had a, a fake snowball fight. You can actually buy little snowballs, and we just had a blast. We had the blue light or the black lights on, um, had some movies playing. So we're going to be doing that uh, in a few weeks, so you can put that on your calendar. I don't know if we have, Eileen, do we have the sheets? We have sheets printed. So if you would like a copy of that, I can get that to you. Um, but that's all we have for youth stuff. Thanks. All right, and finally, uh, some of you may have noticed that banner uh, right in front of the church office there uh, inviting you to Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th. Uh, so here's, here's how it works. Uh, every seven years or so, uh, there's a bit of a challenge we have because uh, Christmas is on Sunday. And so there's a bit of a question that comes up, what are we going to do? And uh, so seven years ago, um, we just celebrated Christmas Eve and let you celebrate Christmas mornings with your family, and we decided uh, to do that again. So if you have not been uh, to one of our Christmas Eve candlelight services, it's really, really nice. It's uh, Christmas carols, Christmas message, and we pass out candles at the end, and we light them up, and it's just a beautiful time as a family to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Um, and so this year, again, because of the way it works in the seven-year rotation or so, we are not going to have a Christmas Day service. Encourage you to spend time with your family. You know, maybe invite people over, celebrate the birth of Christ, however you do that. We also know a lot of people travel, and, and uh, so we just try, try to be sensitive as well, uh, even to uh, the people who serve here faithfully um, every Sunday, not just, you know, Christmas or Easter, but every Sunday people come here at 7.30, 8 o'clock to get ready um, to serve in a lot of different ways. So even giving them that Christmas morning off is a way to bless them so they don't have to worry about coming to necessarily serve and they can enjoy their family. So I uh, invite you out again Christmas Eve, uh, 7 p.m. And if you can make it, we'd love to have you. Great opportunity to invite friends and family who might be in town uh, to come and celebrate the birth of Christ in a different way. Again, we do different lights and, and the tradition at the end. We've been doing it for 13 years now. This will be our th uh, 12th year, 12th year, where we just light the candles and sing Silent Night before we leave. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful evening together. So invite you to do that. Okay?